and he would be skipping as we would do, let's go biscuiting, let's go biscuiting. <laughs> Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Welcome to episode number 123, right in a row, one, two, three, of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the captain of Kit Kats, Candy Corn, and Nestle Crunch Bars, <laughs> the one and only good time player man, Dr. Kirby Hossaman from Coshocton, Ohio. Kirby, on this day after All Hallows' Eve, how the hell are you? You know what? I'm doing pretty well, man. I, uh, you know, trick-or-treat's always an interesting time uh, in Ohio because the weather's always interesting, but, uh, you know... I I'm excited to uh, get into November, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited to roll up my sleeves and keep things rolling. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Had a wonderful uh, Halloween last night. Lots of uh, lots of little squids stopping by and getting some candy, and uh, you know, doing all sorts of good things. But you know what? Who else does some really good and interesting things, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? I'm so glad you asked, Kirby. Though it would be the good, good folks at Community. Like you know, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. I think one of my favorite things about Chameleon, like, and I know you're a, you're a huge fan as well, you know, they're laser focused on their journals and notebooks and gift boxes, which we both have received, and they're just fantastic. They're really proud of their ability to match creativity with process, and I love that idea, matching creativity with process. They combine that true custom and creative approach to the process that delivers consistent and reliable customer service. I mean, that's a huge challenge, yeah. but their team is designed and trained to do exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, I mean, every time that I uh, get the pleasure of getting one of their products, and obviously I'm literally in front of me right now, tapping on it is the journal from SKU Camp. They're just so well put together. They're so creative. I just, it's one of those things. It's just a delight to use and show. Yeah, it really is. Um, And they have such great products. You talk about elevating your promo game, especially when it comes to delivery and design. There's no better company than Chameleon Like. So go ahead and hop over to chameleonlike.com. Pierre and Alex, they're going to help you out, and they're going to guide you through the process, and they're going to do you and your customer right. So go ahead and do that. Yes, absolutely. Kirby, I don't know about you. I am so hopped up on all the Snickers I had for dinner last night, (laughs) the Whoppers, the Milky Ways, and, yes, even the greatness that is the Mounds Bar. I am ready to broadcast at an extraordinarily high level. How about you? I am. I, I was more of a Dortmunder uh, lager kind of treat. Uh, but, yes, I am ready to rock this thing. So, Well, Kirby, why don't you start us off with a topic today? Okay. Well, let me, let me start off by telling you how I ended up in my driveway in the middle of trick-or-treat holding a bloody machete. Okay. <laughs> Right now, we'd like to ask all the authorities in Coshocton <laughs> County to go ahead and tune out. You don't need to listen to this. Um, Kirby, I'll be over there with the lime and the body bags just in uh, just as soon as I can. Yeah, so, yeah, this uh, true story. So uh, how it happened is the night before Halloween, I walked out to my garage and turned the corner. Uh, you've been in my house. And so I walked down the steps, turned the corner, and I saw what appeared to be a big black snake. Now, I I jumped, but then I was like, okay, it's the night before Halloween. Who's messing with me? I'm looking around. Oh, there's nobody here. Right. I'm, I'm of course, waiting for somebody to be laughing, you know, whatever. Right. Well, there's a big black snake. Yeah. And so I looked down at it, and I'm like, is that thing real? 
Turns out the answer is yes. And so um, I look over and the, the uh, door to my house is hanging open because I just walked out and we've got, you know, two dogs, a puppy, you know, all that sort of thing. So um, I walk back in the house. I'm like, keep the dogs inside. And I walk back out there to try and get it. By the time um, I get back out there, okay. long story short, the snake gets underneath the refrigerator. <laughs> okay. There's no getting it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to bed that night knowing that there was a snake in the garage. And more importantly, my daughters and my wife knew that. And so mm -hmm. my whole goal was to uh, go get that after work uh, yesterday. So I get mm -hmm. there, tore apart the entire garage, finally found it. It was a pretty healthy, healthy snake. Well, turns out my neighbor is very afraid of snakes. <laughs> Uh -huh. wow. And so he's bringing over every tool of death imaginable to come. And one of them was a very sharp machete. And so I went to go get the snake and hopefully, you know, not necessarily harm it. It was a pretty aggressive guy, though. What, and, what kind of snake was it, Kirby? Was it a black mamba? <laughs> it, it's just a black snake. So they're... they're no, no, you got to make it sound more death like that. <laughs> So, yeah, Bill, it actually a, what it was, it was 87 feet, and it was the largest, angriest boa constrictor slash rattlesnake slash copperhead I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah, King Cobra, yeah. Um, but all joking aside, I did pull, you know, when I p did finally find it, because we're pulling out stuff, you know how it is in a garage. Right. And I pull it out, and that guy reared up. Like, I was thinking that, oh, I'll just try and get a hold of it. And I'm not really afraid of snakes, but I don't want to get bit by one. And so, yeah, long story short... It did not end well for the snake. Well, it shouldn't. You, your <laughs> thought when you run into a snake should never be, how can I preserve life? <laughs> the thought should be, how can I end his life and preserve mine? Yeah. And so I, yeah. the idea literally, when I got done with this thing, I threw it in the backyard because, uh, you know, we have woods in the back. And uh, I walked out and I am literally holding a bloody machete and kids are walking up going, trick or treat. Yeah, it was. It's an image that I will not soon forget. Well, Kirby, I don't know really how to respond to that. <laughs> I um, just thought it was a great story. <laughs> it's a great story. It's not really a question. It has nothing to do with our industry or nope. branding and marketing. And I got a. I'm. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm applauding you. <laughs> here, I'm applauding you. Here, I'll tie it. It's really important, no matter what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're selling promotional products or you're attacking a snake, it's important to have the right tools. Uh, you know what, Kirby? I couldn't agree with you more. And now, was the snake wearing any sort of logoed merchandise? <laughs> no, he became logoed merchandise toward the end of the, oh. the existence. So, yeah. No. Anyway, nice. I'm sorry. I just thought that was a funny story that you would appreciate. I do appreciate it. It was a funny story, but we're going to go ahead and move yes. on. And we are going to move on to the world of branding and marketing. So, Kirby! <laughs> so... The NBA season has just recently begun. Yep. Um, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I think we've covered that in the show before. I firmly believe in the NBA, you give each team uh, 90 points, you let them play for two minutes, and pretty much the results would be the same. Yep. However, I was looking at um, the logos recently on, on basketball, and they, you know, I think basketball has always been more at the forefront of style and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, they are really starting to put logos on the uniforms. I think you've yes. seen that. Um, the NBA does it. Uh, NFL does it all over their practice jerseys. In, in or certainly in Europe, you know, or, or certainly in soccer, even here in, in, in Europe, those teams are basically the name of their sponsor, right? Right. Um, so you have, uh, you know, 
uh, Emirates for uh, I forget which which uh, soccer team it is over in Europe. So that that kind of crapped on my own point, but. Point is, every the, the, the logos are becoming far more prevalent in sports and the apparel. Mm-hmm. Couple of things on that. Do you think it's good for the brands? Do you think there's actual value to, let's say, AT and T, which does sponsor your Dallas Cowboys? Is there <laughs> value to a company like AT and T getting their logo right now? It's on a practice jersey. Is there value getting it on a game jersey? Yeah, I, I, I think yes is the answer. There's definitely value when you think about the amount of money that is spent to get their logo on TV, the idea that the focus of the thing that people are watching to insert that into the content, um, yes, there's value. I, I don't know how to really quantify it to say, oh, it's worth a dollar, it's worth a million dollars. I struggle with you know, putting a number on it, but yes, there's value in it. And I think the other thing is the ancillary so, you know, the ideas of how you then go, okay, we've got the logo, it's the naming of the stadium, it's on the jersey, but then how do you then coordinate your marketing efforts so it's like, as a, a, a partner sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. can you create content, cre- can you create promotions that go around it so that mm-hmm. you can you can take the value that you've added by putting the logo on the jersey and then you build entire campaigns around it. To me, that's where the value is at it. Yeah, and I agree. And actually, I think it's a genius move. Um, yeah. I, and I, you know, what I'd love to see is for sports owners to take that revenue um, and somehow make the game day experience more affordable for families. I know mm. that would never happen. That's a pipe dream. Uh, that's that's money that's going to line their pockets. And, and, you know, they're owners of a business, and they should do with it what they want. Um, but I think it's a fabulous move. I do identify, as much as I call Cowboys Stadium um, – the Death Star, because it does look like the Death Star, and Jerry Jones is about as close to uh, Lord Vader as there is, um, or Emperor Palpatine. Right. Um, but it is AT&T Stadium, and, and I know that AT&T is a huge sponsor of not only just the stadium, but the Cowboys. And so the next logical step is for them to have a patch on the uniform. And, and I think there is value in that, because kids buy those uniforms, and they become – you know, um, they become associated with that brand. You know, for years, uh, Aon sponsored um, Manchester United, and mm-hmm. it was a big deal when all of a sudden their sponsor became Chevrolet. It almost looked wrong. <laughs> it would right. be like, yeah, it'd be like the Cowboys changing their logo from a star to a horse, and you know, kind of short circuits people a little bit because you know the Aon had been ingrained so long with Manchester United, and I think it's smart if brands can do that with uh, with sports teams whether it's major league or minor league i think it's brilliant yeah i think it makes a ton of sense actually you see you're seeing trends in this too and they, there's a, a thing called brandscaping where mm-hmm. brands will essentially partner together so red mm-hmm. bull might have uh, a different uh, product placement in the content that they're creating well i to me it, it it's a similar concept and it's one that's been, you know, product placement's been going on for a long time. So yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. And yeah, you know, the purist in me would like, you know, the uniform to be clean, but on the other hand, you know, NASCARs, I mean, their entire, those guys know how to do it, right? Well, but that's where it goes too far. In my opinion, I, I would disagree with you. I think it goes way too far because other than the title sponsor of a NASCAR car, and I don't pay any attention to motorsports. It just has, yeah. I have no interest in it at all. But other than 
title sponsor, I have no clue who any of those little mini stickers are in the car. None, yeah, zero. And that's fine, but you just told me that you weren't the content, the con, the person they're trying to reach either, right? I, I, am I not? I'm a sports fan. Um, but you said you have, have absolutely a- no interest in, in car racing. And so, you know, the reality of it is, and by the way, I'm not judging. I don't either. So I'm not their target market. And so... It, I don't know that you're necessarily wrong, but I do also think that we tend to go, well, that's stupid. And then you're like, well, but we're not trying to reach you. Yeah. Well, maybe so. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I just, just because it's easy to think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not trying to reach you. All right. Next topic, Kirby. <laughs> Fire us up. Let's okay. Go. So uh, stay in the industry here. So mm-hmm. I, I had this experience recently, and so I'm not going to talk out or call anybody out or anything like that. But it was interesting because it got me thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the, um, um, with a a supplier Mm -hmm. that where it's owned by a bigger company and there's multiple companies underneath. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of that obviously Mm -hmm. in our industry and it's great. I'm I'm not anti that at all. But we had an experience where we're like, okay, we're looking for um, a product from um, X supplier and I was like looking for a complementary product with Y supplier, both owned by the same company. Okay. And mm-hmm. so I, it, am I making sense so far? Yeah, go ahead. Continue. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just making sure I'm not losing you. But no, you it's one it. of those where I, we got done and we're like, well, what about this product? And it's, you know, we got two websites up and they're like, well, I don't know anything about that. You need to yeah. call that other company. And like internally, they're like, well, what the heck? And I said, well, you know, they're two different companies. But are they? And I think like, it's, it's one of those things from a co- consumer perspective. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say, well, look, we can't, yeah, we're owned by the same people, but you can't buy that from us. You have to pick up the phone and call somebody else. What is the value to the distributor? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe this is an unfair question, and I'm totally comfortable with it being unfair, to right. say, like, when, when one company owns three or four companies, what's the mm-hmm. value to the distributor in trying to make that a seamless, or is there a way to make it more seamless, or is it just hey, tough stuff? I, I think it depends. I, you know, okay. Again, um, I think it's a it's a difficult question because there's no easy solution. There's no right. easy answer. Sure. I think really, you know, what uh, you're trying to to accomplish there when you when you see organizations merge and grow and they grow by acquisition. Sure. You're going to try to create efficiencies. You're going to try to eliminate uh, redundancies. I yep. mean, that's really what you do. I think far too often, um, and it happens in every industry, but certainly ours as well, far too often um, you end up trying to create something that's super uh, efficient from a cost perspective, and you don't put enough time and thought in how it impacts your customer. Right. Um, you, 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 you do. I mean, people always say, you know, we got to make sure this is seamless. You hear that? You, you said it yourself. We want to make sure this is seamless. We want to make sure that this is easy for our um We'll make sure that it's easy for our customers. But until you secret shop your business, you really don't understand what the process is like. And so I don't think when companies merge, they do enough of that type of of analysis to really understand how it's going to impact the end user. So is there value in it? Yeah, I think there is. Um, But I also think it's fine when certain companies keep their um, subsidiaries 
100% separate mm. and let them run autonomously. I think it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. No, that's fair. I didn't yeah. really answer the question. I just talked for like three minutes. So. No, actually you did. I mean, I think it, it, your answer is it depends, right? Because it depends on what they're trying to accomplish. Because when they when companies make a big announcement that this is going to be better for the end user, I respect that. But I think it's one of those where I go, but how? Because mm-hmm. it, from from the experiential perspective, and by the way, I'm not mad about this. It was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, Okay, yeah, okay, I'll call this other company who won't know anything about the project that we just spent 15 minutes discussing <laughs> and right. do this again. Um, and it's, it's a complimentary project. So it's just, it was just one of those things where I'm like, how can it be done better? And mm-hmm. not uh, taking a shot at anybody on this, it was, just, I, I, it was just a topic that I thought might have some legs. No, absolutely no. It's a good. It's a good topic. There's again no easy answer. I think right. the, the real the people can answer this are the customers. Right. Is there value for you know company X? It has eight brands. Is there is there a, a, a value for them branding under one identity? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it could be. It might not be. I think it really depends on who the subsidiary companies are and, and how it's going to impact the end user. Cool. All right, Kirby. I was thinking about this again. This is back to our industry or remaining in our industry. It seems like decoration methods, especially on apparel, have really um, accelerated in terms of innovation in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I want to do your thought as you sell quite a bit of a branded apparel, and, and you are a, a great case history because every time I see you, you're wearing <laughs> your company's logo to apparel. That's a good thing, right? Yep. That you mm-hmm. practice what you preach. From an apparel perspective, what is your favorite method of decoration, and where do you see decoration going in the next 12 to 18 months? Okay. Um, so what was your answer to the last question? It depends. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think it depends. But I would say that right this minute, like if we're talking about traditional stuff, where it's um, whether it's uh, polos or button downs or that sort of thing, I'm, I'm still an embroidery guy. I think what you'll find is I think most uh, decorators will tell you, look, all of this other stuff. Uh, kinds of decoration. I love it. I really do. But it's still only probably what, 15%, 10%. Like most of the orders coming through are left chest embroidery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to the tr- sort of traditional business wear, I still think that embroidery is k- king. Um, mm-hmm. I love, love, love the new styles of screen printing that is, you know, of course, we talk about T-Shirt Tycoon a lot mm-hmm. because I just love the the softness, not only of the apparel, but of the of the actual decoration. Sure. Um, so that's a piece that I love. From my perspective, what I love about the idea of showing different um, decoration techniques mm-hmm. is it just separates uh, me from some of the competition that are not talking about those unique things. Right. What I've found is the, the end users like, Oh wow, that's really cool. And then they see all, all the opportunities and they go, um, yeah, but for what we're doing this time, we're just going to do left chest embroidery. Right. right. But, the, but what they do, those conversations set you up to be having like to be thought of differently so that they go, okay, it's time to do the creative project. And so, um, we're going to, talk to this person. Where do we see it going in the next 12 months to spin it forward? The rest part of your question is I think more, I, I, I think the left chest embroidery is going to continue to go down, but it's mm-hmm. still going to be the king. Um, and I think, but I think the thing that is going through on the screen printing side is more and more and more of the end users I'm talking to don't want the standard t-shirt. 
and they they want something softer and they do understand the difference of the softer print versus like they're they're coming to me and they don't know how to say it but they're like mm-hmm. it, you know that heavy screen print that sticks to my chest i don't want that right? right and so i think that's one of the pieces that i see moving over the next 12 months Kirby, you couldn't be more incorrect. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I listened very patiently to your answer. Um, I really thought you'd kind of find your, your way, and, and you just kept getting lost. So let me go ahead and, and help you find your, your decoration soul here. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, I do. I, I'm joking somewhat. <laughs> I do think left chest embroidery will continue to uh, be the largest seller, for lack of a better term, or the largest method of, of decoration. But that's because well, people are lame and they can't sell the other stuff. I think there's so many more decoration methods out there that are far more impactful, whether you're looking for a subtle tone on tone look and you can do some, like especially with the technical fabric, you can do some really cool debossing or even laser etching. You can do some really mm-hmm. cool stuff with the technical fabric. Or like you had touched on, the... the uh, uh, Increased technology on the screen printing side is just amazing. The creativity going on there. And so, you know, I think it's incumbent. And, and I, I think you hit that nail on the head, actually, on one thing is, you know, you you show all these things. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Do this. And you have a customer who's like, yeah, we'll do the left chest embroidery. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't know if it's, you know, decoration is just ahead of its time to a point where it just can't reach a mass audience for a lot of the the quote-unquote out there decoration methods or if we just do a horrible job selling it as an industry yeah and i think it's probably a combination of the two right because i would say that the people who are talking about alternative decoration techniques are probably 10 percent of the industry right like maybe 20 um so if 80 percent of the industry is talking about left chest embroidery obviously that's going to be that's going to continue to be the biggest seller but that's how you can separate yourself and not be just another me too distributor right because anybody can say we're going to get you left chest embroidery you know button down oxford shirts you know, it's again, we go back, we've talked about this before, but there's so many distributors that don't ask, not even the right questions. They don't just ask any questions. Yeah. You got to, they got someone saying, hey, we need some shirts for our trade show. We want the same ones we did last year. And they're so damn happy to get an order. They don't want to ask any questions because I might screw it up. Let's just take the order and do exactly what they want. Yeah. And, and, that's how our industry becomes a commodity because people aren't asking questions saying, well, hold on a second. Who's the target audience here? What do you want them to do? What, what are you trying to uh, emote with your brand? What are you trying to accomplish? And do you want something that people are going to wear outside of work? You will, Kirby, because your last name's on your shirt. But if I'm your employee, I may not wear a, a giant Haasman Marketing uh, embroidered left shirt logo. Right. Uh, you know, but I might do something if it's subtle and cool and cutting edge. Now that I might wear. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I totally get what you're saying. And so, like, in actually our most recent T-shirt, you've probably seen it because I've done some stuff about it. Well, actually, I gave you one, right? Um, it, it has a whole message on the front and our logo's on the, like, small on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally understand what you're saying. The only thing I would say is, and I'm going to push back just a little bit, is yeah. I think we talk a lot about, like, saying, um, well, you know, like somebody wants to reorder something mm-hmm. and you know I, I I'll leave conferences and they say that all the time and like well, you should stop and ask them why and, absolutely and, and 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 I get it I get it to a degree but on the other hand 
like if it's one of those things where they've repeatedly done pens and those work and you've already had that conversation, sometimes it's good business to just take the damn order. So I, I, I get what you're saying, but I think sometimes it's like, well, we can also get in our own way too. I, 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 we can get in our own way, but showing interest in a client and very lightly pushing back and saying, hey, we've done the pens a few times. Are you, you know, let me show you one other thing. I'm going to show you the pens. I'm going to yes. show you that. Yes. And show you something else. That's I love that. Never, that is never getting in your own way. I love and, that. And, that yeah, makes sense, so, yes. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying, hey, I, screw the pens. I've got a better <laughs> idea every time they order pens. I'm just yes. saying, you know what, let me show you the pens, but I want to show you a couple other things right in the same budget that might really move your audience to action in a better way. It's a better now, vehicle for advertising. That that's all I'm saying. Yes, I like that a lot. Kirby, I have another quick topic before we jump into fill in the blank. Cool. It's something that is tearing the fabric of not just our industry, Kirby. It's tearing the fabric of society, and I need your opinion on this. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost reluctant to bring this up. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually – I'm shaking right now. I'm quaking, Kirby. Wow. All right. Quaking. Whew. All right. Let me steal myself. All right, Kirby, I've got a question for you. <laughs> okay. Candy corn, good or shit? Oh, it's so terrible! It's the I, worst, right? It's, it's, I cannot stand candy corn. I am, I am, I am anti candy corn. Now, again, let me just throw this out: I'm not a big candy person, right, to begin with. Right. But I'll eat a Milky Way. I'll, uh, no, that's not true. I don't like Milky Way either. Uh, like a Three Musketeers bar or the Kit Kat or something like that. But man, candy corn, corn's gross. Candy corn are these little triangular-shaped, honey-laden nuggets of disappointment. And I don't understand why anyone would say, oh, I love candy corn. And then you say, candy corn's terrible. And they'll say, well, have you mixed it with peanuts? No. Why would I want to ruin peanuts? I don't want to mix it with peanuts. I, you know, I, it's like the cat in the hat. I will not eat or I will, green eggs and ham. I will not eat them here. I will not eat them there. I will not eat them on a plane. I will not eat them on a train. You know why, people? They stink. They're terrible. It's the worst, quote-unquote, candy in the history of confections. Thank you. End of discussion. Good day, sir. <laughs> I got nothing. That's great. I got, that's great. <laughs> Kirby, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor, Gold Star. Yes. Who sponsors the greatest that is the fill-in-the-blank portion of our podcast. You know, oh, they're, they're a great group of people over there. Kenny Vedd, R.J. Hagel, Howard Coverley, uh, uh, Charles Dugan. So many great people over at Gold Star. But you know what? They're more than just writing instruments. Did you know that, Kirby? I think you did. I, I did, but please tell me more. Oh, I'm so glad you want more information, Kirby. <laughs> it's bags, drinkware, and stationery, and they have a fast-growing line of over two dozen of the industry's most popular budget-friendly, gotta love the budget-friendly, drink, drinkware and bag styles that are free of setup or decoration charges, including six new drinkware styles just released for the autumn of 2018. And Kirby, check me if I'm wrong. Look at your calendar. We are firmly in the autumn of 2018. Absolutely, November. Competitively priced, low minimums, quick 72-hour standard production. Of course you want to learn more, right? If you want to learn more and get a free, which means it costs you nothing, that's what free means, a free Simplicity Starter Kit, go to goldstarpens.com slash unscripted. You won't be sorry that you did. Love it, man. Kirby, you want to start us off? Yes. So... As you mentioned, we are just past Halloween, and so I am calling this the season of thanks. And so that Aww. is going to be my theme for... Kirby, yeah, Kirby, if I had human emotion, I would feel something right now. I know you would. And so I'm going to see if I can tap into what's left of that here, because that's the theme for my fill-in-the-blank. Love it. The person in business 
that you are most thankful for right now is Joel Moore. That is not sucking up. It's totally sucking up. But I no, (laughs) it's not. No, 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 it's not. I'm thankful because um, he is a great partner. Uh, I was pretty transparent this week about overextending myself in October and how challenging, you know, I made my my personal life, my business life. And it was was just, you know, you say yes to things over the course of a four-month period, and then you realize all of the things you said yes to is happening within a five-week period. (laughs) And, you know, he... He's very was very gracious and very kind. You know, I kind of fell on my sword, and he's like, "Hey, cool, you fixed it. Move on." You know, I mean, it right. just couldn't ask for a better business partner um, than Joel Moore. So, awesome. and that's the truth. Really enjoy working with him for him. Love it. Cool, Kirby. I also have a theme. I love um, it to my fill in the blank, and it is going to be a Halloween theme. Okay. All right. The worst trick you ever played on a house. When you were growing up, was yeah, I think probably the the toilet papering of of the trees of mm-hmm. a, and it was actually a friend, mm-hmm. um, but we like a couple of friends of uh, and I went and we unloaded. They had a lot of trees, right? Mm-hmm. And we we spent whatever money we had buying the most discount toilet paper, mm-hmm. and we filled up. I mean, it was like. Christmas decorations in all yeah. the trees, and so it's really not. That's pretty pretty mild, but that it, like it was a mess, and so yeah. I almost felt bad the next day. Almost. So, so you toilet papered house. So I'm gonna, if I can interject, very rarely do we you know go back and forth and yeah. fill in the blank, but very quickly. The worst thing I ever did to a house was um, it was not around Halloween. It was in the dead of summer. Yeah. Um, we went in, in what we called biscuiting. We would get raw biscuit dough, and you throw it at a house. And, and uh, not the nicest thing, by the way. I felt I feel bad. I shouldn't even share this, but I mean it's pretty <laughs> bad because it's so hot. The biscuits would half bake on the roof of the house and stuff <laughs> in the Texas heat. Not easy to get off. Um, That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. So you know, I remember my friend. His name was Jeff, and he would be skipping as we would do. Let's go biscuiting. Let's go biscuiting. So there's that. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, my turn, right? Yep. Uh, okay. The person in your personal life who you are most thankful right now for is? I'd have to say my kids. Um, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, they just turned 16 last week, and uh, which means they're legal drivers in the state of Tennessee, which should scare the hell out of everybody. Right. But they've handled that, and they're sharing a car. And they've, had, they've always struggled sharing things, even though they were twins. And, and you know, we tried to really instill sharing in them. And it just, it's just a very difficult concept for both of them. They have done such a wonderful job being gracious with each other, sharing the duties of driving, uh, sharing the, the paying of the gas and things like that. So I, I, I really am thankful for the way they're handling so much increased responsibility. I'm really proud of them. That's awesome. And for what it's worth, uh, both of my kids, uh, though you're afraid when they get their license, both of them, it was a turning point for them um, in kind of growing up. Oh, and, no question. And so it, so my hope is that that works for you as well. It, it, it is. You know, we, you know, we don't track them. You know, I don't have yeah. them, make them have an app on their phone. Um, I don't want that. I don't want that kind of life. I don't want them to ever think I don't trust them. You know, right. I told, you know, we told them, you screw up, give us a reason not to trust you, and then we won't trust you. But until right. then, man, have some freedom. So, yeah. All right, Kirby, the size of candy bar you give out at the Hossaman house during Halloween is blank. 
Uh, I think we go snack size. Uh, we've got okay. a lot of little little kids because um, I like I kind of early on was like let's do full full size, and then I'm yeah. like oh I'd like to retire someday. Um, and we got I, I'm I'm down with doing the bigger ones, but honestly, some of the the parents are like uh, that's a little much for my two year old, and so we we kind of go not not tiny tiny but snack size and then you know it is funny because i i want like it's halloween i'm not a candy person right right but you, you do not like the confections like don't let's not give out kale yeah. right like, right i get it like you want kids to eat healthier than they have in the past i get it but it's halloween so yeah, yeah I, I give the candy cool all right the failure or challenge in your life that you have are most thankful for is hmm Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I'm thankful I got fired from Halo. Okay. Um, you know, at the time I wasn't <laughs> right, super right. thankful, but it was a big wake-up call for me in terms of uh, handling disappointment on the job. It was a turning point for me um, understanding what I needed to do to be successful, hmm. and it was a huge lesson in growing the hell up, quite frankly. Right. Um, you know, I, I was not ha- I told the story, but I'll tell the 18-second version. I was not happy there. I always like to joke, I was, a, I was a great employee at Halo for seven and a half years. Unfortunately, Halo was under the assumption they were pulling me for eight. The last <laughs> six months I was there, I was unhappy with my job. I was unhappy with who I was reporting to. I was unhappy with what I was expected to do. I was miserable. I, you know, it was 100% recruiting, and I didn't like doing it. And so... Uh, instead of actively looking for a job, I stuck my head in the sand and assumed it would all go away. And mm. it did go away when they said, hey, <laughs> we don't want you to work here anymore. Um, so I learned a real valuable, a bunch of valuable lessons. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, at the time, um, I, I'm, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I'm very thankful for that. I think it's helped shape me and who I am today, and it's made me a much harder worker. And so, yeah, I'm thankful for that. Cool, man. Cool. Um, I've got one more. Do you have one more for me? Or? I, I've got two more. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me go two more, and then we'll go yours. Okay. Quick. The scariest movie you've ever seen was blank. Poltergeist. Um, I saw it when I was really young, mm-hmm. and I, I, what I determined at that particular time is that I don't really like scary movies, so I don't mm-hmm. watch them anymore. <laughs> so, All right. So, Poltergeist. Cool. Give me yours, and then I'll go one. We'll go rapid fire. Okay. Now, we talked about failure. The yep. success that you are most thankful for is... I think um, Brandivate, and, and mm. it's kind of a tie. Brandivate and what we're doing here at Promo Corner. Promo Corner is still in process, but I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish here at Promo Corner um, as a team since I've been here. But you know, I look back on what I was able to do with Brandivate and create something out of nothing that really helped elevate uh, what I do in the industry. Sure, uh, it gave me a voice, and uh, I wouldn't be at Promo Corner without Brandivate. So I guess the edge would have to go to Brandivate at this point in time. That's cool, man. I, out, I by the way, out of those. Four that I asked you, I, I predicted three. So I was doing pretty Which well. Which one did you miss? Uh, the person in your life that you'd be most personal life. Yeah. Your kids. I did. I wasn't sure about that one. Okay. Cool. Uh, last one. The vessel you used to collect Halloween candy as a child was blank. Uh, you know, I think the thing that makes me laugh is like it, we used all the little pumpkin heads and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But by the time I got to be a teenager, I just took out uh, pillowcases. Pillowcases. <laughs> and just I, I ran, ran yeah. through the neighborhood and tried to get as much as I could. Awesome, and that is a great tactic at yes. Halloween. 
Absolutely. All right, Kirby, let's a little rapid fire here. This is a Halloween candy edition. You know okay. the rules. I'm <laughs> going to give you a choice. You pick one or the other. There are no other op- options. There are no other possible answers. I think you can handle this. Are you ready? I, I, I probably am not, but let's do it. Mounds or Almond Joy? This is not that hard. You don't I, have to I, that I, much thought into I, it. I really don't like either one. What? Uh, uh, I guess... Uh, mounds. I, 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 I don't mounds like is the Mounds is the correct choice, and I will tell you, all you coconut haters out there, send me all your Mounds bars. It's the greatest candy bar in the history of ever. Okay. All right. Milky Way or Milky Way Dark? <laughs> I guess Milky Way. You, know, this is I, I, you, you, you do understand I don't like candy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is why I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. Twix or Kit Kat? Kit Kat. Plain M&Ms or peanut M&Ms? Plain. Payday or whatchamacallit? Whatchamacallit. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or Reese's Pieces? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Uh, Smarties or Laffy Taffy? Smarties. Skittles or Starburst? Starburst. Heath Bar or Three Musketeers? Three Musketeers. Popcorn Balls or Apples? Apples. Swedish Goldfish or Sour Patch Kids? Ah, Swedish Goldfish. Snickers or Snickers? (laughs) Three Musketeers. Damn you, it's not that hard. But, and you know what also isn't hard? Working with the good, good folks at Chameleon, like we talked about it a little earlier, how they match creativity with process. Go ahead and visit them at uh, chameleonlike.com and understand that their, um, their team is designed and trained to deliver consistent and reliable customer service in packaging, notebooks, gift boxes, folders, you name it. They are the people for that product line. Kirby, as always, thank you for doing this podcast with me. I enjoyed always speaking with the captain of candy corn, Kit Kat, and Nestle Crunch Bars. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's good to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.